Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. Merry Christmas. If you want to turn with me to Luke chapter 2, it goes Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Some black Bibles in the pews in front of you. What a neat opportunity we have this morning to celebrate the birth of Christ, look at what it means for our lives, and give thanks to the Lord for His provision for us. Today we'll be reading out of verses 1 through 7 in Luke chapter 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was their first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Verse 6. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Let's pray. Lord, this morning we're reminded of the precious gift of Yourself to us. God, we want to give thanks this morning for the way that You continue to reach out, love, care, and pursue us. Lord, thank you that you came to rescue and redeem us. We want to thank you this morning that we can come together and worship you and hear your word. So Lord, help us this morning to fix our eyes upon Jesus. Help us to love you with our whole hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One of the first Christmases that I was a youth pastor when I was working at Living Word Church, we did this uh, like a youth service, and what we did is we, we told the youth group that we were going to go to a hotel and have a hotel party with the youth group, because we're that kind of youth group, you know, we have hotel parties. And so we, we go to the hotel, and what I had done is I had arranged beforehand that we were going to get there, and we're going to go to the front desk with all the kids in the youth group and say, hey, we'd like to get a room. And they were going to tell us that there was no room available to us. But they did have some room out back. And the person would then bring us out back to a dumpster. And we would have a, we'd have a service back by a dumpster. And so we get to the, we get to the, the hotel, and, and all the kids are waiting, like, hey, we're going to have a party, we're going to go swimming, we're going to do all this fun stuff. I don't, know if, I don't know if you guys remember this or not. Courtney, do you remember this? Okay. Well... This really did happen, even though they don't remember. Um, Michelle remembers. Okay. Thanks, thanks for bailing me out, honey. Um, so we get to the hotel, and we get to the front desk, and we say, hey, we need a couple of rooms. and say, you know what? There's no rooms available, but we have some room out back. And so we, we go out back, and there's a dumpster. And it's the middle of December. It's freezing. It's kind of rainy. And at the dumpster, we have a church service. And we read from this passage, and we talk about what it would have been like to get to the place where you're heading and not have any room. 
and what that would have been like for Mary and Joseph. And so often we think about this time of year and we, we see the pictures of the nativity scenes and the, and the manger scenes and it's, it's kind of sanitized. There's a couple of pictures I took from our children's books. So it's nice. There's a little kitty. Uh, they're in a nice clean manger, nice clean straw. There's little animals and there's a smiling cow looking at the newborn. Um, there's... There's Jesus with a donkey in the back and a couple palm trees, and it's nice. You know, and so, and here's, here's one of some overhead light coming down. Uh, it's nice that they had that. We know that you shouldn't have fire in barns, especially being from Chicago. Um, and all the cattle are all around hanging out. There's Mary just hanging out on the ground in the manger after she just gave birth to a baby. And so... You can imagine, we grow up with, this, with these pictures in our minds, that this, this, this moment where Jesus is born is this kind of nice, and there's nice kittens and animals gathered around the baby, and there's, there's smiling cows and, um, and all these things, and we miss what really happened. This wasn't a time in history where they had overhead light. And they had nice, clean stables. And they had all kinds of regulations on, on the way you should care for animals. It wasn't like that. And so you can imagine, one of the parents was telling me on the way home from the dumpster Christmas service we had with the youth group, she said her son broke down and began to cry. Never realizing what it might have been like for Joseph and Mary. What it might have been like the welcome that Jesus received that morning, that night. Well, what was that night really like? Well, here's what we know. We know that Caesar Augustus decrees a census of all the known world. He's head of the, the Roman Empire, and so he decrees a census for taxation purposes, for military purposes, and they would do this every 14 years, conduct a, a census. But here is an opportunity for Caesar to flex his muscle. With just a word, the entire known world has to stop what they're doing and go register. And here's, here's Caesar setting in motion things that he has no idea what, what is about to happen. I found this quote this week by a gentleman by the name of Quincell, and he says this, Augustus imagines that he is busy advancing the glory of his name, and the luster of his reign. And yet his orders, by means of others more powerful and absolute than his, become subservient to the accomplishment of prophecies, of which he is altogether ignorant, about the birth of a king whom he will never know, about the establishment of a monarchy, which will subject his and all others to itself. This is what happens in all ages, and people... Take no notice of it. So here is Caesar thinking that he is going to, to, to show the world how great and powerful and mighty he is, how many people are under his reign, how much money he can bring in for himself, the glory of his own name. And he's, he's setting in motion the very kingdom that puts his kingdom to shame, the very kingdom that, his, that Caesar's kingdom will will serve and bow to. So he sets in motion. 
Now, Joseph and Mary, being from Nazareth, had to travel 80 miles to get to Bethlehem to register for the census. And all this is done while Mary is nine months pregnant. You can imagine that was probably a fun trip for both of them. If you've ever gone anywhere with someone who's been nine months pregnant, it's, it's, it's an interesting experience. Every bump, every turn, it, it just seems like it's hard. But imagine doing, going 80 miles, maybe walking, maybe on the back of a donkey. It's hard. But there's a problem. They get there, and there isn't any place for them to stay. Maybe it took too long for them to get to Bethlehem. But there's, there's a problem. They have nowhere to stay, but there's also a bigger problem. Mary's going into labor. Mary is going into labor, and they have no place to stay. And I don't know if you can remember when your wife goes into labor, the sense of overall panic that kind of comes over you as the husband, like, okay, she's going into labor. It doesn't matter if you're going to the hospital. Where you're going, there's, this a, there's a panic that comes over you. You can imagine not knowing where you're going to go. Where are you going to have this baby? The sense of panic that would have come over them. There's, there's no room for them anywhere. There's no room for Mary and Joseph. There's no room for Jesus. You think about this. What did Jesus deserve at his birth? What did Jesus deserve? Colossians 1, 15 through 20. I just want to read this to us quickly. You don't have to turn there, but this is what Colossians 1, 15 through 20 says, speaking about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is head of, the, head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross." What did he deserve? What did Jesus deserve that night? He deserved all of creation to stand on edge, ready to worship, ready to give glory to God. He deserved everything, every rock, every tree, every person, everything to give glory and praise to God. For there to be a shout of praise amongst all people, for all creation to worship him, He made everything. He holds all things together. And yet there was no room. So what did Jesus receive instead? Well, he was either born in one of three or four places. And back in the day where they kept the animals, it could have been a cave. It was in a hill country. They could have sheltered. Jesus and Mary could have stayed in a cave with the rest of the animals Or it could have been a courtyard, the front of a house or a building where the animals in the open air would stay overnight. Or in a barn where they did keep the animals there as well. So a cave, a courtyard, or a barn. And that's where he was probably born. But the conditions weren't clean, fresh hay. 
smiling animals, soft kittens. It would have been manure, mice, stench from the animals, bugs. All of this is unsanitary and unclean. It wasn't like these nice little pictures that we see in our children's books. If you've ever been in a barn with a bunch of animals, it's not a, a nice, clean, fun place that you want to have a baby. It would have been terrible. Now think about this. If, if you would have been there at that time, if we would have been there, if, 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 if we were somehow transported back and we were there in Bethlehem that night, this poor woman comes up and says, I'm about ready to have a baby, what do we do? Would we have opened our home? Would we have opened our room? Would we have given up our place? Think if, if today, if a car would, would break down in front of your home and out comes a husband and wife and the woman's in labor, what we would do? Would we, would we say, you know what, hey, I'm so glad you know, you're here with us, we're gonna take care of you. You know what, I've got a, I've got a garage that's, that's you know, it's, it's not too bad. Just move a couple gas cans out of the way and get this lawnmower out of the way and this is a great place to have a baby. No one would do that. No one would offer their shed for the woman in labor. We'd invite her in, ask them what they need, call them an ambulance, do whatever we could to help them. We read this story and we think, how could everyone in Bethlehem turn their backs on them? How could they do that? How could everyone turn their backs on this poor woman in labor? Well, the Gospel of John in chapter 1, verse 11 reads this. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Jesus came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Jesus was rejected his entire life. Even from his birth, he's being rejected. The only place people made room for him was on a cross. We think about this, we think, what a shame. How sad, how tragic. There's no room for them. Surely somebody would have seen what's going on and said, look, I'll make room for you. Look, I'll give up my room, I'll I'll open my home, I'll do whatever I need to do so you are in a safe place, a clean place, but what does this have to do with us today? What does this have to do with me? Have we made room for Jesus in our own lives? We talk about Jesus not being invited in, and we think to ourselves, I would have invited him in. I would have done that. Surely if, if that would have been me, I would have, I would have done those things. But have we invited Jesus into our lives today? Is there room in our lives for Jesus today? Think about this. Think about our finances. Are we willing to spend less so that we can give more? Are we regularly digging ourselves into debt? Have we prioritized God's purposes in our lives or our own comforts? Does Jesus have room in the way that we spend money? What about the media? What about our internet and movies that we watch? What do we look at when no one's around? Does Jesus have room in what we watch and listen to? What about our purity? Does Jesus, has, does Jesus have any room for what I do with my body? What I do with my boyfriend and girlfriend? Does Jesus have any room in that? Kindness towards our family. It's Christmas. We get together as family. There's a busyness. There's, there's a, 
running about, there's, there's cleaning and cooking and getting the kids ready and giving baths and, and getting all this stuff going on. Tensions can run high, but does Jesus have any room in the way that I interact with my, my family, the way I speak to my children, the way I treat my wife, about the way I talk about others, what about the commitments, the way, what do, I pri- do I prioritize the things that God prioritizes? What about the way that I work? What about my job situation? Does Jesus have room in the way that I even live that way? But for us, the good news isn't that Jesus was just born. The good news is that he is pursuing us. The Bible is the story of God pursuing people. It is the story of God pursuing the very people who have rejected him. We think about all those things in our own lives. We think the way that we have, we have pushed Jesus out. The Bible is just the good news of Jesus Christ pursuing the very people who pushed him into the barn and slammed the door. That's who he came to save. That's why Christmas is good news. It's good news because the very people who, who pushed Jesus out and had no room for Jesus, he said, I'm going to come and bring a rescue. I'm going to come and bring salvation for the very people who had no room for me. When we read about Jesus' birth, we don't just see Jesus in a barn, in a manger. We see God pursuing people. He came for us. We've pushed him out. We've kept him out. What does he deserve? He deserves all of us. All of our lives we live for him for his glory, for his purposes. We fall short so often, but yet he still came for us. That's the good news. This is the story of a God pursuing people. People had no room for him. We have an opportunity this morning to respond to this message of God pursuing us. We can respond to him for, in the first time, trusting our lives to him. Jesus came, was born in a manger, but died on a cross for our sins that we can be forgiven, that we could be rescued, that we as the people who have pushed him away could receive God's mercy and his love and his grace. No matter what we've done, no matter how far we've pushed him away, He's come for us to rescue us, to redeem us. We look at our own lives, our finances, our family, our purity, our, the way we talk about one another, the commitments we've made, things that we look at. We can surrender these to Jesus. It's a way in which we can worship and give thanks to God for all that he's done for us. In a moment, we're going to take communion. But communion is a celebration of the way in which he, was, he has given himself for us. The story starts in a manger, but it ends on a cross in an empty grave. And that's why this is good news for us. Because he came and gave his life for the very people who pushed him away. If you are here this morning, you feel like, I have pushed Jesus away. I've done that. I've crowded him out. I've, I've done everything for myself. I've made no room for Jesus. And I think about it and I think, you know what? 
I would have, surely I'd help someone who's in need like that. Surely I'd make room for Jesus. But in reality of my own life, I look at it and say, I have not made any room for Jesus. This morning, we can go before the Lord and ask Him for forgiveness and ask Him to give us that new life again, that new hope. So Lord Jesus, we, we come before you this morning on this, this Christmas morning and we give, we give thanks. Thanks that you have redeemed us who have pushed you away. You came to save the very people who had no room for you. Lord, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Lord, help us today to come before you and lay our lives down before you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.